there. Welcome back to First Chapter Fridays with ACL. If you're a first-time listener, First Chapter Fridays is a podcast from the Augusta County Library, during which each Friday, one of the Augusta County librarians will read the first chapter of a favorite book in different genres and age ranges, including middle grade books for ages 8 to 12, YA books for teens, and fiction and nonfiction for adults. These might be titles you haven't had the chance to discover yet, and all of the titles we read will be available at your local public libraries. This week's first chapter combines Black History Month and romance, though I know, I know, Valentine's Day was last week. Let's just celebrate all month, shall we? A Princess in Theory is the first in Alyssa Cole's Reluctant Royals series, and it is wonderful. Naledi Smith is a brilliant young woman working on her graduate degree in epidemiology in New York. A former foster kid, she works extremely hard and doesn't have time or patience for these weird emails claiming she's the betrothed of the prince of a prosperous African nation, Thesolo. Prince Tabiso, heir to the throne, needs to get married, and he needs to marry the person he's been betrothed to since birth, but she disappeared 20 years ago. Tabiso can't resist the opportunity to track her down and experience life as just himself. Can their instant chemistry outweigh the burden of the truth? Can the prince convince his princess? This book contains adult situations and language. A Princess in Theory is a great example of contemporary, fresh, inclusive romance. Readers might also enjoy Alicia Rye's Modern Love or Forbidden Heart series, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, and the Wedding Date series by Jasmine Guillory. Cinder, Likotsi Adaleli at kingdomofthesolo.the. Subject, salutations from the royal family of Thesolo. Dear Ms. Smith, I hope that my letter finds you well. I, Likotsi Adaleli, assistant to His Royal Highness, have sought you out high and low over the last few months at the behest of the most exalted and most curious, Prince Tabiso. He has tasked me with finding his betrothed, and I believe I have succeeded— it is you. Because our prince is magnanimous, kind, and understanding, he is willing to cleanse the festering wounds of the past and allow them to heal. In order to aid in this process, please send the following verifications of identity. A scan of your license, passport, or other form of ID, up-to-date medical records. Sender. Likotsi Adelaide at kingdomofthesolo.the. Subject. Regarding. Regarding. Regarding, regarding, salutations from the royal family of Thesolo. Hello again, dear Ms. Smith. They say persistence is a virtue, and I consider myself most virtuous, as I have now written several times without acknowledgement, and yet I press on. It is the will of the prince that he meets the woman chosen by the goddess Ingoka to be his bride, and I am charged with bringing his will into fruition. It occurs to me that perhaps you fear repercussions for the headstrong and thoughtless actions of your mother and father, but fear not. All will be well, if you are indeed the woman chosen to be the future queen of Thesolo. I am quite sure you are the woman he is searching for, but I must, must have some proof of identity before we proceed any further. I will not expose the prince to perfidy. So I beseech you to A. Respond, and B. Provide me with... Sender. Likotsi Adelaide at kingdomofthesolo.the. Subject. Forward. Regarding. 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 
Salutations from the Royal Family of Thesolo. To the most kind, most gentle Miss Smith, Perhaps you have not received the electronic missives I've sent over the past few weeks. See below. I cannot believe that you've read my heartfelt pleas and ignored them. If you are worried that the people of Thesolo have forsaken you for your malfeasance, fear not. Despite the rupture in trust caused by your parents' selfishness, the contract of marriage, made before goddess and government of our people, still stands. As I stated in my previous emails, see below if you did not scroll down at my first urging, Although I believe you to be the rightful recipient of this email, before I can introduce you to Prince Tabiso after this long absence, I will need more information. Please provide a scan of your license, passport, or other form of ID, your current address, social security number. I really don't have time for this, Naledi muttered, the soothing hum of various expensive laboratory equipment masking the aggravation in her tone. She deleted the email with a jab at the trash can icon on the screen of her phone. The first couple of emails had been amusing, a welcome distraction from the rest of her inbox, which was primarily comprised of calendar reminders about study sessions, student loan payment nudges, data sets to be solved, and other evidence of grad school life. The emails had become less entertaining as the subject lines grew more urgent, and it became clear that this wasn't a random occurrence. Somewhere in the world, a scammer had zoned in on her. The knowledge was disturbing to someone as private as Letty, and triggered a sense of helplessness all too familiar for a woman who'd been bounced through strangers' homes for most of her childhood. Ignoring the emails hadn't worked. The spammer had redoubled their efforts, undeterred by Letty's lack of response. She'd considered blocking messages from the sender, but it seemed scarier not knowing if she was receiving disturbing emails. Letty pushed her safety goggles up onto her thick curls, which she'd smoothed back and pulled into a puff ponytail, and mentally reviewed her to-do list. She'd already created the media needed for experiments, prepared slides, and input data that morning, so she'd actually be able to get some studying in. She hefted her copy of Modern Epidemiology from out of the backpack at her feet and slid it onto her desk. Balancing her lab assistant job, waitressing, and grad school hadn't seemed overly ambitious at first. Letty had been juggling jobs in school since she was 13. But as tension gripped the back of her neck at the thought of finals and experiments and what the hell the future held, she wondered if maybe she hadn't bitten off more than she could chew. She'd been lucky in that she'd transitioned from foster care to adulthood better than some people she'd been in the system with, but luck wasn't a statistically significant factor in planning her future. Making money, on the other hand, was a proven course of action, and having multiple sources of income was a safety net she couldn't live without. She didn't have a family to turn to when times got rough, and one mistake at work or school could have a domino effect on the life plans she had so carefully been setting up. Hey, Naledi. Brian, the postdoc, was suddenly hovering over her shoulder. Brian was super fun to work with. On her first day, she'd introduced herself, and he'd asked her to take out the trash more frequently. He thought she was the cleaning woman. He often stopped to explain basic concepts to Letty, and Letty alone, during lab meetings while asking Kevin, the newbie, for his advice on how things should be run. So fun, that Brian. She turned to face him. His dark hair was sticking out every which way and his face was unshaven. He looked stressed out, which wasn't unusual, but generally didn't bode well for her. Hi, Brian, she said, trying to find the pleasant but deferential tone that seemed to edify him. She hated that she couldn't just talk to him like a normal human, but apparently there was something about her that had led him to tell Dr. Takatami, the lab's primary investigator and thus Letty's boss, that she was, quote, giving him attitude. 
Letty couldn't afford to be labeled as a problem. She'd wanted to be a scientist since her fourth-grade teacher had handed her a battered copy of National Geographic. Letty had been fascinated with the cover, a close-up shot of a woman with dark skin, just like hers, peering into a microscope. That scientist had been trying to cure a mysterious disease, and Letty had gleaned from the image not only that she wanted to do the same thing, but also that she could. She hadn't foreseen all the other variables that went into life as a woman in STEM. Politicians who treated her profession with contempt and threatened her future, and the world's. Fellow scientists like Brian, who thought that women in the lab were their personal assistants instead of their equals. How are you this morning? She asked in the tone she'd heard secretaries on old syndicated TV shows use to placate their sexist bosses. Brian smiled. He'd watched the same reruns, it seemed. Actually, I'm a little behind in my work after getting back from the Keystone Conference. That was when Naledi noticed the sheaf of papers in his hand. This motherfucker, she thought. Oh, what a shame, she said. There's this grant application that has to go out, and we're kind of screwed if we lose this funding. Since you don't have much to do... How do you know I don't have much to do? She asked in the same polite tone, unable to repress the question. Brian cleared his throat. <laughs> well, you're just sitting there. Kevin is just sitting here, too. He's clearly watching a movie on his phone, she said, tilting her head toward her lab mate across the room, who was laughing at whatever he was streaming. Her voice was still calm and polite, but she saw Brian's brows drawing together in annoyance. Look, we all have to do grunt work sometimes. It comes with the territory. Do you think you're somehow exempt from putting in the work? Letty sucked in a breath. She worked hard. So much harder than she should have to, really. That was the problem. When you worked twice as hard all the time, working at the average rate was slacking off. No, she said quietly. I don't think that. Why did I even say anything? She learned early on that challenging the people who held power over you made you undesirable, and undesirability meant gathering all of your things into a black plastic trash bag and being sent back to the group home. She swallowed against the brief wave of nausea and remembered the workshop for women in STEM she'd taken. She had to lay down her boundaries or people would assume she had none. I have no problem paying my dues, but this is the fourth grant you've asked me to help with, she said. And let me guess, it's due this week? Brian nodded stiffly. Kevin has never done one of these for you before, she said gently, though she was tired of being gentle. She was just plain tired. All the more reason for you to do it, Brian insisted. You won't make beginner's mistakes. And there it was. If she continued any further, she'd be pushing, and as much as she'd heard about leaning in, when Letty pushed, she was usually met with a brick wall exerting equal and opposite force. She should have just taken the forms with a smile and kept her mouth shut. Sure. I'll get right on it. Sorry. She put her textbook away and took the papers, somehow managing not to crumple them into a ball, and Brian walked off without saying thanks. Letty took a deep, centering breath. Asshole postdocs are temporary, but scientific discoveries are forever. When she opened her eyes, Trishna, her lab mate and fellow public health student, was watching her from across the work table. Her long, dark hair was pulled back and her safety goggles magnified the annoyance in her eyes. He's such a jerk, Trishna said, and Letty allowed herself a brief moment of camaraderie before shrugging it off. It's not a big deal, she said brightly. She smiled at Trishna and hoped her expression wasn't as murdery as she felt. It is a big deal, Trishna said. Then her brows lifted behind her goggles. He's probably jealous of your practicum with Dr. Kraylig's disease task force this summer, you know. It sounds so badass. Task force. Like that meme with the dude and the sunglasses. 
I'm here to cure diseases and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Trishna grabbed two test tubes and pointed them menacingly around the lab. Letty might have laughed if Trishna hadn't brought up yet another one of her bumper crop of problems. She shuffled through the grant papers Brian had just left her without really looking at them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning a lot this summer. What she wanted to say was that her advisor, Dr. Kralig, had stopped responding to her emails and phone calls, and she actually had no idea what was happening with her summer fieldwork. But sharing that kind of info would have been unleady-like. The task force seems to have a great dynamic, she added for effect. If you said inane things with a smile, people couldn't tell they were being stonewalled. They did a great job containing the recent outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. Being outwardly friendly while keeping people at a distance was second nature to Letty. She thought of it as her social phospholipid thigh layer. Flexible, dynamic, and designed to keep the important parts of herself separate from a possibly dangerous outside environment. It had been working for the prokaryotes for eons, and it would suffice for a broke grad school student, which was only slightly higher on the evolutionary scale. When are you starting? Trishna asked. Still waiting to hear back about that, Dr. Kralig is pretty busy. Both of those things were generally true. Ooh, maybe he's busy with some kind of epidemic, Trishna offered helpfully. Apparently last year, when cases of Zika started to pop up, he was MIA for a few days. Letty wouldn't wish an outbreak on anyone, but that might explain why it had been over a week since she'd heard from him. A week felt like forever when her practicum, her resulting thesis, and perhaps the path of her entire career would take were on the line. If only Dr. Krellig were as motivated as her Nigerian, or Thessalonian, to be more accurate, scammer, she wouldn't be in this situation. What about you? Letty asked, changing the topic. Eh, I leave for Maine the week after exams. Letty's phone vibrated and she saw a text from her friend Portia pop up on the screen. We're having an opening at the gallery where I'm interning tomorrow night. Free wine and cheese. You love wine and cheese. Smiley face. Letty loved free food and drink of all kinds, but if she went to this opening, she'd have to squeeze into the trendy art gallery with a hundred other like-minded people to obtain it. She'd also likely have to deal with drunk Portia. Drunk Portia was not on Letty's miles-long to-do list. That sounds fun, but I have to work at the Institute until nine tomorrow. Frowny face. Aw, boo! Maybe we can meet for drinks after? Fingers crossed. Maybe. Maybe not. Portia was her best friend, but Letty was too exhausted to deal with alcohol-fueled hijinks. She wanted a glass of wine after a long day so she could unwind, not as a prelude to a night of debauchery. She didn't have anything against debauchery, but she had no time for it, or for the spike of anxiety each time Portia flagged down a waitress or headed back to the bar. Portia was the perfect example of why Letty's social cell membrane existed. Once someone slipped through... Letty couldn't help but worry over them, and worrying had no concrete results in the real world except draining her much-needed energy. Oh, did you check your my gene screen results? I'm 83% African and 17% European. I have to break it to my mom that we are not, in fact, descended from a Cherokee princess. Yikes. Hold off on that conversation, though. You know I don't believe in the accuracy of these tests. Portia had received a couple of the DNA test packs from some promotional event for social media movers and shakers, and had given one to Letty. Letty had been momentarily seduced by the possibility of knowing more about her background, but when the email announcing her results had arrived, she'd deleted it. What did it matter? She was 100% New Yorker, and that was all she needed to know. Sure, the genetic database linked you with possible relatives, but... But what? She had survived a not-so-great childhood, she was on her way to being a pretty damn great epidemiologist, and she didn't need any scientifically shoddy data to introduce more confounding factors into her life. 
She was fine. Everything going okay with the grant stuff? Brian called across the lab. You understand everything? He gave her a thumbs up that was somehow a question. She wanted to reply with her own one-finger salute, but instead she gave him a wide, fake smile. Everything's under control, she said brightly, and wished it was true. If you'd like to hear what happens next, A Princess in Theory is available in print and as an e-audiobook on Libby and as an e-audiobook and e-book on Hoopla. Next week, tune in for a first chapter of adult nonfiction to celebrate Black History Month. This episode was read by Churchville Library Branch Manager Allie. A Princess in Theory was written by Alyssa Cole and published in 2018 by Avon Books, a part of HarperCollins Publishers. Music